When we started guilt-free pleasures, we knew that sooner or later we would get to today's song. And when anyone ever talks about a guilty pleasure, I think this song would come up, or at least this song would come up into one of the worst songs of all time. This is going to be a special episode because we brought on our friend Dave Kitchen again to talk with us, and we also have Frank being a, a little negative boy about this song. I, I wouldn't say a little negative. I'd say very negative. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big negative boy. <laughs> so uh, the song is Starships, We Built This City. I can I can hear the collective groan across the interweb, because um, I'm this. You only listen to this once, right? Like it's all only played at one time, and everybody listens to it at the same time, right? That's how podcasts work. Is that how they? Uh, I don't know. No. <laughs> we should. Can someone please tell us how uh, podcasts work? I'm gonna jump straight to the category. Would Chris Newkirk like this song? I'm gonna say there's an emphatic no. Okay, so I've been trying to get him on to join us three, because that would be a mighty foursome. But he is uh, in bed, and he's uh, recording tomorrow with his band, the Julies. So instead, I will read his response to my invitation to join. He said, tempting, but I know you guys will kill it. Very nostalgic song for me. It probably sucks. But I dig it anyhow. Oh, Chris. Oh. Yes. All right. Well, it looks like Chris and Bill are on the same team. We know where Frank is. But the wild card, Mr. David Kitchen. Welcome back, David Kitchen, to our podcast. It is good to be back. I love to hate this song in a way, though, that um, I got to agree with Chris. There's that nostalgic thing. I was saying to Frank earlier, just before we started recording, that this is a song that is ingrained in all my memories of sitting in a doctor's office where that you get that kind of middle <laughs> middle American radio. And uh, this is about as edgy as the radio stations would get. <laughs> and I am back at Dr. Geffen's office on Pelham Road, just, just waiting to have him put that tongue depressor on my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> is is Dr. Geffen one of our sponsors right now? Because is is that why we're giving him a shout out? <laughs> but this is this is classic Dr. Dentist Office music. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another category. Where would you hear this? Dentist office, doctor's office. Oh, and in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Frank, I got something for you. I found on YouTube. This is Shihanna Cole. Said the following. Whoever dislikes this song. Needs a COVID test because the symptoms are no taste. Wow, that's harsh. I think I have I I have I have taste, and this song is it's still terrible. Okay, I was I've been waiting to say that uh, since I've had this on my phone for two. Sorry, months. who who said that? That was um, my friend Shihana Cole. I liked it on YouTube. One point three thousand people liked it. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Shihanna. We built this city on rock and roll. 
Well, let's talk about Starship. Let's start there. Well, give a little history. Well, yeah, the history of Starship is they were initially Jefferson Airplane, right? So a psychedelic band from the 60s and 70s, which morphed to Jefferson uh, Jefferson Starship and then just a Starship. So that's a pretty big swing that they've made, right? Going from psychedelic rock to uh, corporate cheeseball rock or whatever you want to call this song. Well, and also the growth from just kind of a regional airline to transcending in beyond the stratosphere and going all the way into space. So you got to give them credit for that as well. I think this band is in that car that Elon Musk sent into space. And they're just cruising, listening to We Built This City on that radio as they're flying through space, about to crash into the moon, apparently. I think this song represents kind of perfectly what happened to the hippies. I was talking to Kitch about this this morning. And you have that sort of Woodstock moment and really was a moment. Mm -hmm. The whole Woodstock movement and all that stuff really feels like you, you might be, maybe it's two years. Maybe it's a, maybe the whole Woodstock to Altmont is, is within, I don't know, is that six months, nine months, something like that, where everything goes bad, at least in terms of the um, symbolic sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, what becomes of the hippies by the time they get to the 80s is you're going from uh, I don't know, Vietnam War era protesting stuff to Reagan era, big hair, big money, lots of color. It's a lot of selling out, right? But I mean, the song is they're fighting corporate rock, Frank. No, they, they say that they're fighting corporate rock, but this is the most like, it was written to be a marketable song. Like, listen to it. It just, it kind of checks all those 80s boxes. It, it's... It's not a protest song. The lyrics might sort of skew that way slightly, but the song the song is not a protest song. It is it is like firmly ingrained in in uh, sort of corporate commercialism eighties. Uh, if I may reference the Matrix movies, um, do you remember how ne spoiler alert how Neo ends up defeating everybody? He takes in all that they have, and then explodes it. So I like to think of this song as a ticking time bomb placed inside corporate rock and roll. No, it's a, it's a ticking time bomb, and it exploded all its awfulness all over the radio. I got to agree with Frank. This song reminds me of... Uh, I have the same feeling about this song that I do with anything that comes from Imagine Dragons. <laughs> and any song that Imagine Dragons sings, to me, sounds like it would be a commercial. It doesn't sound like an actual song. Yep. And this song sounds like the lyrics are about a city, but you could change the lyrics. And this is a Chevrolet commercial in the 80s. Yep. Yeah. Hands yep. down. Right. Something like that. There's definitely a commercial feel to it. It does feel that they, th these are 60s rockers that are now in the 80s and haven't come to terms with the shift and are still trying to write rebellion songs. And, uh, and it's got, it's got the, I don't know if we're talking about lyrics, but it definitely tries to tell a story about them being put down by the man, whoever the man is. But these are all sort of millionaire rockers now who've been in bands for 20 years asking us to feel sorry for them yeah. in some way. But it feels like they've been doing what they needed to do for 20 years. Like this song should have come out in the 60s, but it came out in the 80s. And it doesn't have, you know, you think back to that, uh, is it the the Don Henley song, the Boys of Summer, where he talks about the um, a deadhead sticker on the Cadillac? 
the deadhead sticker. So he's at least aware of the shift where everybody's grown up. They all have mortgages now. They're probably all voting conservative. Yeah. <laughs> and this band is still trying to do the thing. Like, no, they're, they're keeping us down. We got to fight. We got, <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, I'm not sure where the fight actually is. But they're, they're fighting in the most conformist, like, sounding way. Well, that is the irony of the song, right? Yeah. I don't know if this song is clever enough to be ironic. Well, the, the irony is for us, I guess, not for them. Although they can laugh all the way to the bank, did quite yeah. well. And I mean, one of the interesting parts of it is that the Jefferson Airplane were writing kind of their own music. Grace Slick wrote the White Rabbit song. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's something else, mm-hmm. right? And then by the time we get to Starship, I mean, she's come out of rehab. She's sober. So she's, she's living a different life by then. But she's just there to like make the money. From what from what I can gather, at least reading the articles I've read, and so they're they're just they're getting other people to write music and they're bringing it in. And Mickey Thomas, when he heard the demo, he thought, "Oh, this is a pretty cool sounding song." They weren't really even thinking about it mm-hmm. in terms of what the message it, it was saying. Although Grace Slick has complained about this song, she said it doesn't make any sense and it's a terrible song because you don't build cities on rock and roll. You build cities on things like, like, like she mentioned like pears and olives or something in California. And she picked a bunch of other places. And I got to say, listen, Grace, these songs and the songs that we feature in this podcast aren't trying to change the world. And you got to though, we built the city on rock and roll. Listen, Grace, it's a metaphor. They didn't, you can't literally build it on rock and roll. At least, I don't know. But you know who would know? Frank knows because he's an architect. Oh, I pretend to be. He can build it on rocks. Is this why that building is tipping over in San Francisco? No, you're thinking Italy. No, no, no. There's a there's a building in San Francisco Italy, that's like yeah. tilting like three or four the inches. The Leaning Tower <laughs> Pizza. That's what you're, right? <laughs> right. So, right, right. But, but San Francisco's city by the bay, I guess they've got some water issues. Maybe they just need to put issues. some more rock and roll on the bottom. Yeah, they need, it, when you dig down deep enough, it's just amplifiers and guitars. <laughs> <laughs> but but no actual, found, no, no concrete or anything like that. No, no foundation. <laughs> yeah. They let the hippies build the city and this is what's come of it. Yeah. <laughs> The, the thing I like about the song is it's commercial. The very thing that it's hated for just kind of brings me back. Or like, I'll if it's on the radio, I'm not turning the channel. If I hear it on my Spotify, if it comes in, I'm listening because it's it puts in all the elements that I like about a 1980s tune. Yeah. And it's I heard a guy say today, it's not going to change the world, and it's not the greatest song of all time. But if you think this is the worst song of all time, you need to listen to more of the stuff that's been coming out. because, And listen to some of the stuff from the 80s. There is some horrible, horrible music. And this oh, is yeah. not one of them. Maybe this is best of the worst or worst of the best, but it is not the worst. I, I think I think it's uh, considered the worst because it, I mean, it did hit number one, right? Like it was a popular song. It did very well on the charts, but I think that's kind of a it just like how could a song this bad be number one? That sort of puts it at at the um, at the top of the list of the worst songs uh, ever ever created. Just because I think everyone knows this song. Yeah, there are a lot of terrible songs that have been written and released, but 
not everyone knows what they are. So I, I think just because everyone knows this song, that's why it's it's at the top of the list. And if you put it in its time and place, it's not that unusual um, in terms of its sound. Because a lot of bands went to a synth sound mm-hmm. that, that came from rock and roll. Rush was a band that had its synth period. Neil Young had a synth period in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Up until um, Rocking in the Free World, his 80s stuff was pretty terrible. So it's it's... I think we're, we look back on whatever that shift was where they were going towards synthesizer music and stuff like that, and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't age well, and it's kind of dated almost as soon as it comes out. But they were not the only band to do this. This is very much oh, no, no, in keeping yeah. with what was happening in music. I am bringing up uh, what was um, number one at the time. When it came out, so I just need to find it here. While you do that, it's uh, you were you were talking about Grace Slick and this being a money thing. She retired in 1989, just four years after the song came out, and she was 46 when the song came out. So I saw an interview with her today, or I read an interview today where she said people shouldn't be playing rock and roll after 50. She right. said you could you, you can do folk and jazz and stuff like that until you're 150, but rock and roll should be. It's kind of ironic because of the kind of the the lazy way they did it with the rebellion stuff. But um, she said it should be about anger and it should be about that stuff. And if at 50 you're still angry, then you got to get out. We all know my my favorite uh, uh, resource for for research is is Wikipedia. And when you you look at the the Wikipedia page for this song and you scroll down, it says there's that see also section and a link to another page. And the see also section says list of music considered the worst. So, I mean, Wikipedia says it, so it's got to be pretty bad, right? There's an alarming number of polls and lists that put this song at number one, though. There's a unanimity to it that is striking. It's one thing to see one poll or one list say it, but there's there's a number of polls that have this song at the top of the worst song of all time. I don't want to quote Eric Clapton, but could be mass hypnosis. (laughs) (laughs) We got here. Let me tell you the top five when uh, this was number one. Mm Mm-hmm. We built this city, number one. Number two, You Belong to the City by Glenn Fry. Number three, Miami Vice theme. I'm picking up on a bit number of a theme four. here. Yeah. Totally. And then and then Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears. Mm-hmm. And Part-Time Lover by Stevie Wonder. So there's your top five. Yeah, the Stevie Wonder, like that's the only other song that I really remember. <laughs> Oh, You Belong in the City is really good. Okay. Do you remember the song, Dave? You belong oh, yeah, in the yeah. city. No, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. so close to the Miami Vice theme. Like, yeah. so close. And, I mean, Part-Time Lover. Oh, oh man. We're going to have to talk tune. about that at some point. Yeah. That'll be for our um, episode on infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Where am I going with this? Uh Okay. So, should we just go right into the song? Like, so we've established it's, well, Blender was the first, I think, to really say it was the worst song of all time. Yeah. Is that right? Blender Magazine? There was a large article written um, by GQ uh, saying the same. Yeah, it was really good. And Rolling Stone had it in their top 10 worst songs of the 80s. 
Not necessarily all time. GQ said it was the most detested song in human history. That's the quote. Yes. <laughs> they made an argument kind of for it, I feel, like in that article, that GQ was sympathetic to the song. Or at least that was my reading of it. They certainly were able to draw some good quotations. Well, let's go through this this song. So the song is coming from, this is coming from Bernie Toppin and Martin Page initially. Now, Bernie Toppin, of course, we know the lyricist for Elton John, usually. <laughs> and then Martin Page, this was his kind of big first foray into big songs, but we mentioned him a few weeks ago when we did King of Wishful Thinking because he was, uh, I believe, partly a songwriter. And then Peter Wolf, who produced King of Wishful Thinking, I'm pretty sure, also produced this song. Yeah. So um, Martin Page was set up by his, I think, music publishing company, set him up with Bernie Toppin saying they wanted to get Bernie Toppin with somebody who wasn't Elton John because he currently wasn't writing with Elton John at the time. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to get them together. They thought they'd be a good fit. And so Bernie Toppin comes with two songs. He comes with We Built This City Mm -hmm. and These Dreams. Those are the two songs he oh, brings really? to Martin Page saying, I, and he just brings the lyrics. And so Martin Page writes the melody and the song and the, mm -hmm. the, the sounds to it. And then there's the famous demo that Martin Page made that they've talked a lot about. Dave and I were talking about this this morning, that, that this demo, they talk about it being super, super dark. Okay. But Kitsch actually found it for me because I hadn't heard it. And he, so he sent it to me and... It was not what they told me it was going to be. It's pretty similar. Yeah. I don't know who was doing the vocals on the demo. Martin Page. Was doing oh, the, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't wasn't as dark as what they were talking about? No, they just added... The, all, all Starship did was just... It seemed to layer on the synth a bit more, oh, but okay. this, the structure of the song is identical almost. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what the what transformation they were talking about. Frank, you have Wikipedia up in front of you? Yep, always. Who are the songwriters listed on this song? Uh, songwriters are Bernie Toppin, Martin Page, Dennis Lambert, and Peter Wolf. So Peter Wolf is producer, and Dennis Lambert was also brought in. Dennis Lambert was songwriter for the song Night Shift by the Commodores okay. and a number of other major songs. So all they brought to it was, from what I gather, is the so-called chorus which is just after they say we built the city on rock and roll it's we built this city we built this city we built this city on rock and roll so that's what they add to it and they get songwriter credit <laughs> oh that makes me hate this song even more <laughs> So when you hear the demo by Bernie Toppin and Martin Page, mm -hmm. that's 
pretty much the core of it. They just made it a little bouncier and yeah. changed up a couple little things, but the 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 structure is there. So if if those guys were the songwriters, who is responsible for some of the nonsensical lyrics in the in the song? That it's I mean, all Bernie Toppin. That's all Bernie it, Toppin. Exactly. Okay. That's all Bernie Toppin. Has he ever explained why the inventor of the radio is playing a deadly snake? Well, I've been thinking about this all day. The, the people keep mentioning that they say Marconi plays the mamba, but they forget to also include that the next line was, do you remember we built this city? This is just a thing singers do. And I uh, almost want to argue that in order for a song to be a guilt-free pleasure, one of the key markers is making your pronunciation of the lyrics nearly unintelligible for us to understand. <laughs> so they, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> Marconi plays the mamba rhymes much better with remember than Marconi plays the mambo, don't you remember? You can't say that. That's, That's true. That just doesn't work. And mambo and radio are a better rhyme too. Ooh. So yep. I think it is a pronunciation thing. I don't think the word is mamba. Yeah. yeah. I thought maybe you're yeah. going to bring up the little known uh, snake musician, Randy Marconi. I thought maybe that was a reference to something. Randy Marconi had a very short career. <laughs> it turned out he couldn't handle those snakes as well. Needed to get into the Appalachians and learn some, some things. Yeah. <laughs> little bit of trivia for you, that opener, the opening start to the song where they they have them singing the We Built the City was added by the producer engineer. So um, I think his name is Bill Bottrell. Mm -hmm. And he ended up taking the vocals that was in the chorus and just isolating them, turning it into this acapella thing and just inserting it at the beginning of the song. And and so that kind of set the song in motion. Yeah, Dave and I were, were kind of talking about that a little bit uh, before uh, you jumped on here, Bill. And uh, they say we built the city three times, right? We built the city on rock and roll. But uh, and Dave picked up on this and and listening to it uh, briefly, he, he's kind of right. There's almost a bit of a hitch in the production on the third. We built the city. It, Dave, you explain. I, I'm 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 taking your words and and shooting them out of my mouth right now. So just before the podcast, I put it on YouTube just to w- listen to it one more time. And on the third one, it's always, we built this city. And then the second one is, we built the city. But on the third, it goes, um, we're built. It's almost like there's like a hitch in it or something like that. Like it uh, it cuts. So then I went to Spotify and it's on the Spotify version too. So I, th- I don't know if it's just me um, picking something up or if it's... Uh, if it's an error in the song, but if you listen to the that opening acapella bit on the third, we built it. It almost like it cuts in, and uh, there's like a half a syllable missing or something like that. We built this city on rock and roll. Built this city. Well, that would make sense that the producer did this, where that that it might have just been the cut that he was doing. 
But do you also think that it might be a clue to something? Could this be the start of the next National Treasure movie? Should we get uh, Nicolas Cage to listen to this song with us? I think there's something in that. Could be our big moment to sort of expand our brand. Yeah. <laughs> Guilt-Free Pleasures, the movie. Guilt-Free Treasures. No, Ooh. National Guilt-Free Treasures. Yes. Yeah, okay, I can get behind that. So, Bill, you brought up a bit of trivia on that, and so I'm going to bring up my own uh, trivia. So, uh, turns out, this song is awful. That's my <laughs> trivia. I, You know what? I've listened to the song so many times in the last month, and I have not grown tired of it. <laughs> so, for whatever it is, I just enjoy it the more I... Listen to it. So whatever they did, whatever magic, whatever strange magic they used in the production, hey, I'm in. There is something to it. And it's the Bernie Taupin influence, I think. I could hear Elton John doing this song. This is that era of of Elton John. Like, you remember the sad songs, Say So Much, yeah. that kind of yeah. era? And, and I can kind of hear the influence there. So, you know, you wonder... <laughs> I don't know exactly the timeline about him being in rehab or something like that, but this could have been an Elton John song, and I do kind of hear the influence. I will say that it is a catchy song, right? Like, it is an earworm song, which makes it more and more terrible for me, because it gets stuck in my head. Like, there is a value of it that it is very rememberable. Memorable? Rememberable. Definitely rememberable. Yes, rememberable. All right, Frank, you're on a desert island. Yes. Yeah, and you have to choose one, okay? I don't know why, but this is just the rules, because you've actually been imprisoned on a desert island. So this is a Highlander situation. There can only be one. Yeah. So I'm going to give you three song choices. Here we go. You can listen to We Built This City, or We Are the World, oh. or Semi-Charmed Kind of Life. Oh, Oh, okay. So, well, could you tell me again that you don't like "We Built This City" when you're facing those two songs? <laughs> Explain my face to everyone right now. Oh, this uh, is sort of like the thinker, but but not thinking. More like the grimacer. Yeah, he's in a great deal of pain right now. I don't know. This is All something right. I, I'm really gonna have to think deep on this one to 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 come up with a with an answer. Yeah, maybe we'll put that out to our listeners. What would they have chosen? And you know that semi-charm kind of life is one of my least favorite songs of all time. So terrible. Well, you got to think of it like this, Frank. You're on a deserted island. The first thing you need to do is build a city. You know? I mean, not a city, but a structure of some kind. And so it has to start. Why not have the soundtrack of your very life in that moment with you at all times? You're going to be building a hut at some point, you know, and you'll be able to pinpoint in 10 years what kind of metropolis you have created after all that time. It'll all go back to having that song pushing you forward the entire time. It's art imitating life, imitating art. Dave, I don't like your endorsement of this song right now because it almost makes sense. All right, let's take a look at Wikipedia, Frank, in front of you there. Wikipedia mm-hmm. did a pretty good job of explaining 
what the narrative structure is of the song, like what's going on. So could you read what it says the song is about? So it says the lyrics consist of a, of an argument between uh, the singers. So it's a a Mickey Thomas and Grace Slick. Um, So they kind of tag team the vocals on it and an undefined you, presumably the music industry executive who is marginalizing the band and ripping them off by playing corporation games. Yes. So I, I don't under, like, what are corporation games? How are they being played? And how does a band that is signed to probably, and this is, this is the mid-80s, right? So this is in the midst of those giant record contracts. How is a band that has probably a very lucrative, fat record deal complaining about corporation games? Well, let's go there. So... Well, we start with that first verse. Say you don't know me or recognize my face. Say you don't care who goes to that kind of place. Knee deep in the hoopla, sinking in your fight. Too many runaways eating up the night. Yeah, that it's just nonsensical ramblings. Say you don't know me or recognize my face. Say you don't. It's either super deep or... Oh, no, no, no. There's nothing deep about the song. This is as shallow a song as you can find. (laughs) Well, let's work our way. So you got... Then they call up... Now, Marconi invented the radio. Is that right? Yeah, he's uh, called the father of the radio or second uncle of the radio or something like that. I don't know. But I, I think he was essentially credited with inventing it. So you got Grace Slick's uh, next verse there. Someone's always playing corporation games. Who cares? They're always changing corporation names. I kind of like that they rhyme corporation games and then corporation names. I guess they're stuck. You couldn't change yeah. the word corporation. And then uh, we just want to dance here. Someone stole the stage. They call us irresponsible. Write us off the page. Someone always playing corporation games. Who cares? They're always changing corporation names. We just want to dance here. Someone stole the stage. Explain to me what that means. Well, I think you have that that this is the corporate person trying to tell them what to do. They just want to dance, but they can't even dance on the stage because they're shutting down the clubs. This is Bernie Toppin argues. It's about losing the club scene in L.A., which yeah. Gray Slick says is impossible because L.A. clubs are never going away. But yeah, but still, they they say um, they call them irresponsible. Now I. I'm kind of with the corporation on there. I think rockers have been pretty irresponsible, um, at least uh, from from Starship's history and the Jefferson Airplane and so on. They, yeah. There's been some pretty tough times. All their friends are dead from drug overdoses. I'd say there's been some irresponsibility. <laughs> yeah, they built the city, but there's hard to get inhabitants in there. Okay, so I want to get to this because there's it gets really kind of crazy. 
Oh, it gets crazy? It didn't start off that way? Oh, no, because they're going to go political. After that next verse, they say, it's just another... I think it's a bridge. Where they say, it's just another Sunday in a tired old street. Please have got the chokehold, okay? Then we just lost the beat. But I gotta say, the whole thing about the police of the chokehold, did, it was a tough listen in these days yeah. to hear. Everything about yeah. this is age. But I guess at the time, there was a whole issue with LA uh, cops using chokeholds. But putting it into this song just doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they just want to dance and they're complaining about police chokeholds. Like, all right, I think Kitch, you're bringing up that there's other music going on here that actually is coming out of that era. Or that area, rather. Yeah, they're four or five years away from NWA and the whole Compton scene. And these kind of 45-year-old white rockers are complaining about stuff. I think Bernie Toppin wrote the lyrics based... I think he watched um, (laughs) Footloose and then wrote the lyrics to this song. Because this is pretty much (laughs) the plot of Footloose. And this makes more sense if it was like a small town where, you know, they weren't allowed to dance or whatever. Not not L.A. where it's been the land of excess yeah. for 50 years at that it's point. It's middle-aged people trying to find a machine to rage against. Yeah. yeah. Well said. All right, Frank, I got questions for you. Who counts the money underneath the bar? And who rides the wrecking ball into their guitars? Who counts the money? The money underneath the bar yeah. is is hidden, right? So that that they're they're ripping people off at the bar, and then riding the wrecking ball into their guitars. I wasn't sure. At least I heard an interview with Mickey Thomas where it sounded like they're riding the wrecking balls. But wouldn't you be ruining their guitars? So it sounds like they're trying to. Oh no, I get it. The wrecking balls are trying to tear down the city that was built on rock and roll. I know who built. It's the corporation oh. people who are doing this. The corporation Get people it? are counting the money yeah. under the bar, and they're yeah. and they're trying to tear down the city. But they're also telling the band that they need them. Don't tell us you need us, but they're they're telling the band we need you. This is what the corporate suits are saying. But then they say we're the ship of fools looking for America. So they're kind of working on the sort of Columbus thing again. Didn't age well their starship. But then says coming through your schools. Is this the boats coming through the schools or a starship is, is going to change the youth through their rock and roll? Yeah, I think it's they're they're hinting at an inevitability where you can't you can't Nothing's stop. It's going to stop them coming. now, huh? <laughs> well played. <laughs> They're like mannequins yeah. okay. coming to life. The video seems like a bunch of mannequins. Yes. Like everyone's a mannequin to me, especially yeah. Grace Slick. She's yeah. already a mannequin before the mannequin video. 
Yeah, no, the video is terrible. It's it's dated, even by 80 standards, it's dated. But there's some questionable stuff going on. The 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 scene where they they go, you know, they're, they're talking supposedly about big city, but then they're in Washington, all sort of at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial, and then then Lincoln stands up as if their message is the guy who ended slavery in the states is now standing up for their right to rock and roll. And that is not something as well that that looks good in 2022. Awful. Uh, Awful, awful. Now, it's so awful, it is very watchable because you're just, (laughs) it's amazing. Because you get to see, it is a sort of a a moment of like, okay, these are, there are lots of videos kind of like this. This just gets to exist. I mean, they certainly haven't done the HD treatment as they did with the Wham video Mm -hmm. and some of the other videos we've talked about. They just left this. So if you're on YouTube and you try to open it to your widescreen, it gets a lot of pixelation. But it's and it has the bars on the left and right. Yeah. It's not the yeah. left yeah, 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 yeah. the yeah. bars on the top and the Straight bottom. TV. It's still like that four <laughs> to four. Yeah. Yeah. They're running from they're I think they're in Las Vegas because they're running from rolling dice at one point. Well which is a big eighties thing. It's like, yeah. oh look how big this is and look at the people running. Look what we can do with the green screen. Yeah, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I, and but and that was one of my many criticisms of of the video is the song is called "We Built This City," the opening lines are "We Built This City," and the first two minutes of the video is taking place in a small village or pastoral town, or it looks like uh, Kitch said earlier, it looks like the set of the Teletubbies. Like that that made that made no sense to me. Just like we built this city. It's like what city? It's a village. Like I see a horse and buggy there. Like, come on. Now and it, wouldn't that village be a better place to raise your family than the city of Vegas? That seems kinda wicked. So I can't tell if they're fighting against that city or that's the city that rock and roll built. Because that seems like Las Vegas would be the type of city rock and roll will would build, at least from what's come out of rock and roll. I love Mickey Thomas's dancing because it's me. It's just not quite like he's. It's it's eighties video. I dancing. feel like the. Oh man, I feel I can hear the director saying, yeah. "Dance, Mickey, dance, dance." <laughs> Here's my thinking: Mickey Thomas is all in on Starship, mm-hmm. and Grace Slick is just kind of there, and she doesn't really want to be there, and so you get this feeling she's sort of playing this role, but Mickey Thomas is giving it all he has. And I feel like Grace is holding it back. Well, Grace is just legacy at that point, right? I mean, the legacy she leaves is she was the oldest person to have a number one hit until a share reached it with Believe. Uh, oh, really? Like 15 years later, yeah. Huh. So Grace was, she's the oldest, wo- oldest woman to have a number one in rock and roll or in pop music. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, because nothing's gonna stop us now. Came out two years later, so she would have been forty-eight, forty-eight. Yeah, yeah and that was where the record. She point. she kept yeah. breaking her own record. Well, do we want to talk mixed? You got mixtape or song universe? Oh, it could be kind of one of one of each, right? Or it could it could be both? I guess. Um, so we built the city. It has whatever it has about it. Song universe, or I would definitely put it on on the same mixtape. Probably mixtape of of terrible songs would be. Hey, could you give me some of those? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna give you one right here. 
How about Kim Mitchell's I Am a Wild Party? Isn't that a good song? Listen listen to the music. It's it's circus music. Just like we yeah. built the city is circus music. Okay, so we got Wild Party. I like that. I, although I would play that if I if I had a, like a barbecue in the summer. If I had a bit too much to drink and wanted to torture everybody at uh, at that barbecue, I'd put this mixtape on. And then semi-charm kind of life. Oh, all right. Here's my mixtape. Van Hagar, right now. Everybody have fun tonight by Wang Chung. Yes. And oh, Billy Joel's yeah, yeah. We Didn't Start the Fire. There's your mixtape. Can we throw Survivor's Eye of the Tiger Ooh. in that mixtape? Because I feel that that is the exact same song, just like the male band, and then Grace Slick is the female version. They're, they're sort of two sides of a coin. Uh, I'm game. Maybe, uh, should we make a playlist on Spotify? Should we open it up to anyone who goes in? Call it Marconi's Mamba? Yeah, we're going to call it Marconi's Mamba. You can, I'll, put a, I'll put it in the show notes. And if you'd like to add a song that would go with We Built This City, put it into our Spotify playlist. I feel maybe Peter Cetera's Kitsch, that's you're very dangerous. Now it's getting very dangerous ground that you're treading on here. I need to calm down here a little bit. Holy cow. Oh Kitsch, you got you got me hot there. All right, uh, I'm going to name, or no, wait, I'm going to ask you, what are other songs that utilize a sort of radio interlude? Okay, name me some songs. I got a couple songs here, and uh, okay, I think I only have two <laughs> with the radio interlude. Give me one of them, radio interlude. I got to go, I, and it's timely, but it's got to be Paradise oh, yeah. by the Dashboard Light. The whole the baseball, um, yeah, yeah, the yeah, baseball yeah. bit, right? Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's the one. Does Radio Song by R.E.M. and KRS-One have a, a radio interlude into it? I don't think they have a radio interlude, but Drinking in L.A. by Brand Van 3000 oh, yeah, is a great right, radio yeah. interlude. Yeah. Oh. So that'd be my other my other choice for radio interlude songs. Now, hey, the, now the radio interlude, little trivia, that guy was Les Garland, who was a famous DJ for a while, or was a DJ, became... Mm-hmm especially famous for being an MTV executive. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So what a move to get an MTV executive to do this sort of interlude. And I watched him do it live at the New Year's Eve party, 1986, for Starship. And Mm -hmm. he got on stage and did it. And not only does he do that, later he gets Grace Slick's daughter, China, gets a job as a 16-year-old to be a VJ after this song. Okay, huh corporation games my yeah, exactly right <laughs> who's yeah. playing them now grace looking out over that golden gate bridge on another gorgeous sunny saturday and i'm seeing that bumper to bumper traffic don't you remember it's your favorite radio station in your favorite radio city the city by the bay the city that rocks the city that never sleeps Well, I heard some trivia as well about that is that different um, cities would take out that interlude and then put in based something on, based on their own, something that was kind yeah, of unique cause, to cause their own Yeah, because they talk about th- three cities in it. It's uh, uh, the city by the bay, which would be uh, San Francisco. 
the city that rocks, so uh, Cleveland, where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, and the city that never sleeps in New York. Um, and on top of that, a little more trivia is this song is still terrible. <laughs> a little more trivia for you. Frank would choose this song if he had <laughs> the right options. Okay, now, next category that I'm making up here. Uh, let's go through versions of this song in um, over the last 40 years. So, I don't know if you went through this. I don't think no. you dove as deep as I did. There's a Kids Incorporated version of this song that came out around <laughs> 88, 89. I don't know if Martique is in it, but there's a lot of bouncing off trampolines with a wow 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 sound, which is kind of odd. There's also a Glee version. Cody plays the mama. Listen to the radio. Don't you remember? We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. And there's also the UK Christmas number one by Lad Baby. We built this city on sausage rolls. Yep. So, I... Uh, I'm partial to the Kids Incorporated and then to Sausage Rolls and definitely way down. is I'm just not a big fan of the Glee version. A lot of Glee is just karaoke to me. Yeah. No offense to the listeners, but they they, they did have a couple of good things going on there. But after a while, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't buying it. Did you know that Mickey Thomas got into a fight with the drummer in like the late 80s when things weren't going well? And they ended up having to like take his face off and restitch it back on, according to Mickey Thomas. Really? He got into like a major fight, like a dust up. When, when you get your face ripped off, that's more than a dust up. It's like it was a some sort of cranial remover where they there's he had problems around his eyes and stuff from whatever happened, and so he ended up saying he had like sixty he had to have reconstructive surgery, oh, wow. and so then the, yeah so the drummer was excused from the band, but but I see Mickey Thomas like I didn't see signs of it when I watched his interviews really gracious guy in <laughs> terms of how he talks about the history and legacy of Starship. And even though he's been sued by, like, Grace Slick in the 90s, had nothing but kind things to say about her, mm-hmm. nice things to say about the drummer who ended up hurting him really bad. <laughs> so he always has, I think he's got a good outlook on life. He recognizes what he was in, what it's kind of brought to him. So I give him a MVP. MVP for, of the band? Uh, Starship. Yeah, MVP. Yeah, I'm reading this. It says... Uh... 
Reconstructive surgery involved a cranial facial entry, which, quote, basically means that they took my face off and then reattached it with 60 staples oh, in the top of my head. That's terrible. That's hey, so weird. Question for you. Yes. What activity would you be most likely doing if you listened to this song? That's a good I question. I think I could imagine myself running while listening to this song. Or I think like an aerobic, like a heavy aerobic sort of dancing, like a, a like a Richard Simmons sweating to the 80s. I would sweat to We Built the City. I'll agree with you in a certain extent there. I could see running away from this song, but that's the only activity that, I, that I'll be doing. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a Hal Johnson, Joanne <laughs> yes. McLeod... The soundtrack. This would yeah. be one of their songs. So they use, I got them listed here. So the instruments that they were using in this song was the synclavier, synclavier, synthesizer, sequencer, and there's a couple other things. So they were, they're all new, new things to them. They were so excited mm -hmm. to try these out, but it ended up becoming this thing that got used more and more. But I wonder about when this song came out if it sounded like something new or if it just already, I don't think it sounded tired yet. It got tired later. I, I found that like mm -hmm. listening to the song, especially at, at the beginning, there's a bam, ba bam, ba bam, and then bam, bam. It, it just sounds like new yeah. musicians. It sounds like like the that that pause between the uh, those those chords on on the guitar. It's like the guitarist had to like find the chord and then play it, then find the next chord and play it. It's 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 like they didn't know how to play instruments, or it's just a brand new thing, right? It's like it has a very childlike sort of rhythm going on there. With dan dan, that that feels like a, yeah, it's like, like a kids show. It could be a great kids show. Yeah, like a Paw Patrol. Oh, yeah. This would be a great kids show theme. Would it? Do you want to expose your kid to this and have him grow up thinking that this is great music? You know it's already too late for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to this all week, Frank. Uh, do you know that the famous movie that featured this song in the last decade? It's going to be something like, well, it's too old, but American Psycho or something like that? <laughs> the Muppets. Oh, really? Yeah, this is a big part of the Muppets. Yeah. So that was, uh, it's already reached the masses, Frank. You either embrace it or you end up on that deserted island <laughs> with some hard choices. Oh, uh, with third eye blind? Uh. Uh, okay, as far as guilt-free pleasures go, I mean, I'd like to work towards a, a more concrete definition, or at least defining the boundaries. Even though, Frank, I know you don't like this song, but for our listeners, would this be a guilt-free pleasure? Does, this, does it have elements that would make this a guilt-free pleasure? I like to think that even as uh, toxic as the internet is, that our podcast is a safe space where everybody can have their opinion. I might not necessarily like it, but you can have your opinion about terrible music and it can be a guilt-free pleasure to you. You listen to your own heart song. 
I think that's something that we've uh, we haven't really talked about a lot recently on guilt free pleasures. But if this is your heart song, then it's a guilt free pleasure to you. Might not be a guilt free pleasure to me, but it's your guilt free pleasure. So the boundaries are the boundaries of your own heart. Wow, that's so touching. Um, I was thinking more like there's certain elements of songs that we've been doing where there's always something big going on. Like they're not, they're not looking, we're not really going to subtle music. There needs to be something kind of grand about what's being put out there. And it's something that appeals to the masses in a lot of ways. And so there's going to be people in those ivory towers playing their ivory tower games, whatever their ivory tower names are, and they're not going to like it. Or they're going to like it ironically. But there's other people who are like, oh, man, that's a good song. I like listening to that at my barbecue. And so I feel like there's got to be a bigness to the song. But there's also needs to be like hyperbole throughout the music. So there needs to be saying something so overly grand that it's nearly ridiculous. And so we built this city on rock and roll. Is like Grace Lake is like, that doesn't make sense. Like that's the whole point. It's ridiculous. But that's why we kind of love it. We're like, I don't want to think about deep things. I'm not going to watch some art house movie. I'm just going to have some fun. And so this, to me, reaches the fun factor that a guilt pleasure would all be about. Dave, do you have any input? I'm heart. Bill's fun. All I know is if I'm at a bar and a cover band plays this song, I'm singing along to every word. If that's not a definition of a guilt pleasure, I don't know what is. Yeah, and with that, uh, Dave, thank you for joining us again. And uh, we like to think that perhaps we've built this podcast on rock and roll. <laughs>